Hello and welcome to Creativity Uncovered. My name is Abby Gatling and I'm on a journey to uncover how everyday people find inspiration, get inventive and open their imagination. Because basically I want to find out how people find creative solutions and then how they use them at home, work, play, sport and everything in between. And my goal for this podcast is that by the end of it, you'll be armed with a whole suite of tried and tested ways to summon creativity the next time that you need it. Now, today I'm speaking with Sandra Kavanagh. Sandra is a creativity specialist and a coach and an author, and she helps people realize their unique creative genius. Um, I'm so keen to find out more what that is. And uh, well, welcome, Sandra. Thank you so much, Abby. I'm really happy to be here. Yes, uh, it's it's fantastic to have you on. (laughs) I wanted to start with asking, um, what is a creativity specialist? (laughs) <laughs> sounds fancy. Well, um, it's it's basically a it it's it's basically a professional bent that I took once I had um really evolved through 35 years in the entertainment industry. I've been a teacher of acting and improvisation and um imagination and spontaneity and a professional in theater um for about 35 years and actually a little more now I've been saying 35 years for several years. So (laughs) I'm dating myself, but, um, with a creativity specialist, what I do is I help people recognize and then express their unique creative genius. Essentially, I, I worked for so many years. I was working with people and I would hear, particularly when I started teaching at universities, I would hear adults say to me in class all the time, I don't have a very good imagination or I'm not really a creative type person, you know, and, and that just floored me. It blew me away. The other thing that blew me away was I, I went from When I started teaching acting, I started in New York in a conservatory, and then I started teaching at universities, and I would have people come up to me in acting classes or improvisation classes and say, "Um, how do I get an A? And like, you've got an A. Just try every day. And they'd be like, yeah, but how do I know I've got an A? And I thought, oh my God, I I had, you know, degrees from college, but I had forgotten what that drive for the grade, regardless of what you're learning or experiencing is, that we've sort of moved our education system to. And I, fortunately at the time that I was teaching at that university, there was a chair of the department, bless his heart, who, when I went to him and I was like, these are grown adults that are afraid to play. They're afraid to take a chance. They're afraid to try. And I said, I want to create a class called Imagination and Spontaneity. And he went, cool. And so I did. He put it in the um, in the catalog. And the class filled up with not just actors and, you know, and dance students and, 
you know, people you would expect. But I had engineers and nurses and lawyers and political scientists and, you know, all these different majors that just blew me away. And in that class, no one ever asked me how to get an A. They they stopped. It just freed them from that. And so it put me on a quest for many decades to free people's imagination. And and not to sound too woo-woo, but as the years have gone by and I've been a, a spiritual person as well, um, I've come to recognize that that we're all born with a a passion and a purpose that we came here to share and that that what we do in pursuit of that is really um about that 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 collaboration between our soulful self and the character that we're playing here on the planet you know there was a, there was a point where i recognized that um as I was teaching actors every day, I was saying, you know, in acting as in life, this is true. Or in improv as in life, this is true. And I would insert some wisdom in there that worked for both, right? And then one day I finally realized that hearing myself, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe there really is something here. And that Shakespeare's line, all the world's a stage, is not just a pretty piece of poetry, but literally what I've come to refer to as a metaphorical, metaphysical guide to life. So well, that's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, right? So I just use the techniques from theater, from teaching improv and teaching acting. I use them to teach people to to basically utilize techniques that work for a great performance on the stage to help them have a great performance on the great stage of life, because that's what we're all here to do. Yeah. Wow. I lo love that. I love that. Love that. All the world's a stage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. why I'm still grappling with your, um, your new class being filled up with nurses and engineers and all types of people from across the school. Yeah. Why do you think that that course um, resonated with so many different types of people? Well, I wish I could go back and look at the class catalog and see what it was that I put in the catalog as the description of the class, because yeah. I'm really not sure. But I have to think that <laughs> I, I know that it I know that it said something about playing, right? And and my my passion at that time was to reteach adults how to play. And and you know, because this is, I mean, I would say to my actors when I was running a professional theater company, you know, and everybody'd get real tense in rehearsal, I'd say, hey, lighten up. There's a reason why they call it a play, you know? And if <laughs> If we are all here on the great stage of life, then we all have, you know, we all need to lighten up and play. And, and I think that when I got those people into that class, right off the bat, I would um, disarm them with the things that we were doing in class. They would not know one day to the next what we were doing. And so there was no, there was no predetermined path to follow and they couldn't help but either relax or, you know, 
find themselves incredibly uncomfortable on a daily basis, which fortunately nobody did. And I never told them that I was a lot of times making up the class as I was teaching. (laughs) Staying one step ahead. (laughs) I was improvising as well. You know, I would bump Mm. them into a problem, see the problem, and then just imagine what an exercise might look like that would take them to the next level of moving past that block. And then we would play in that realm. So some days it was very movement oriented. Some days it was very um, voice oriented. Some days it was straight improvisation. Some days it was weird word games, who knows, you know, but it was all focused on reminding them what that childlike curiosity is like, what that imaginative freedom is like, and the empowerment of that. And every one of those students, I ran into two students that were in that class um, about probably right before COVID. Now, I hadn't seen these people since the 1980s. They were my students in the late 1980s in that imagination class. And they walked up to me at a jazz club and said, you know, you probably don't remember us. I actually did remember one of the two. <laughs> and they're like, you probably don't remember us, but you changed our life. And and wow. it's not really me changing their life. It's me giving them permission to change their life, you know, because ultimately at the end of the day, what I teach people is that in improvisation, in acting, there are about seven big rules. In improvisation, there are just three fundamentals. And life is by its very nature a 24-7 improvisation. We might think we have it planned, but we're improvising. And so in improvisation, the only things you are ever doing are either making an offer, accepting an offer, which means acknowledging it as a, as a fact in that universe at that moment, or blocking an offer. And you want to learn to offer, accept, and not block. Mm-hmm. And in life, since life is a 24-7 improv, same exact three things. Anything you are thinking, doing, or saying, anything is either an offer, the accepting of an offer from someone else, from your own mind, from the universe, whatever, or it's blocking an offer. And we block far more than we are aware of. So when I mentioned, you know, in the in the imagination spontaneity class, literally the reason I would make up the exercises as I went along was because I would notice their blocks and find some way to take them around that block gently and playfully and let them notice what they were doing. Yeah. So you're basically training their muscles in making and accepting offers. Exactly. Exactly. And 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 showing them that um that I believed in their creativity even when they did not. You know, I I I got very um I was I got very cocky about the things that I could get people to do um in oh gosh about about 10 
12 years ago when I when I full-time became a creativity specialist and, and a coach and just started focusing in my life on this more than directing professional theater, et cetera. And, um, and I would go to classes where students were either um, emotionally troubled or cognitively disabled in some way. And I would work with them and get them to improvise and get them to write and get them to do things that teachers didn't think that they could do and they didn't think that they could do. And so one day I did get really <laughs> thinking, I've got this kick. And I marched myself into this class. I'd gotten a residency all set up. So I was all paid for. I walked into this class. It was a high school class with um, uh, the that was taught by the special needs teacher for the entire school district. She was the head of special needs for the entire school district. And this class was kids that were particularly having extreme difficulties, mosaic down syndrome, um, far out on the autism spectrum. Um, they had uh, seizure disorders, lots of different problems that made some of them nonverbal. All of them had not written very much at all in their entire school career. And I I walked in and I said, hey, <laughs> I'd like to teach this class to improvise and write. And then I'm going to enter their plays or screenplays into a Kennedy Center competition. And um, they'll compete with kids all over the nation for plays about disability. And she just looked at me and she was like, okay, let me just give you a reality check. These kids don't talk to each other. They're not going to talk to you. They are not going to improvise. They are not going to do that. And I'm like, okay, but can I try? And she's like, well, okay, I need a break every hour and every morning, you know, for an hour. So sure, you can come in the class. And so I did and started working with them. And the, the short version of this story is that by the time I had worked with them, basically in three years, two of those students won the Kennedy Center competition. Um, wow. And and I had every student that I worked with in that class, which just became like my favorite place on the planet to be, every one of those kids wound up doing things that nobody thought they could. And, and the teacher one day in the middle of the class, like we were just, we were working on some big, I had them doing these big poster boards of their future life. And so we're all working on them and I'm wandering around the class. And all of a sudden that same teacher that had told me like a year before, this is never going to work. She, all of a sudden she yells, you know what I love about Ms. Kavanaugh? And the kids all stop and look at her. She goes, she teaches like she doesn't know there's anything you can't do. And so there isn't. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. And I was like, what? and the kids were like, yeah, whatever. And went back to what they were doing. You know, they could not have cared less about her revelation. But I realized in that moment that that is what I do. I approach everybody, every single human being on the planet as a unique creative genius. And I know that's true. And I think that when people hear me say, everyone is a genius, you know, um, 
they think I mean everybody that's sort of neurotypical and, you know, conventionally, you know, they have some smarts that can be done and test in class. But I literally, I mean everyone. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody has a creative genius inside them. Yes. That is uniquely theirs. They've got something they bring to the planet that nobody else is ever going to. So how do you how do you know what that is and how do you tap into it? I take people through quite a journey to 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 feel into it, to find it, you know, because um in the book uh Spontaneous Brilliance, um I have a whole chapter on uniting our two selves that basically, you know, um if we're the character, right? that is being played by this soul, right? We we tend to forget that there's this intimate relationship between the actor and the character, you know, and there's this, there's this, you know, symbiosis going on in any performance. But what we tend to think of as human beings is that we got to this planet and we're here and we're doing our thing and we've been born. And so the soul is just hanging out and waiting for us until, you know, it'll check in when we're dead and see if we did it right, you know. And and I equate that to this this weird picture that we get where we're almost like an airplane that thinks the pilot's just along for the ride, you know. So I will say to my clients, let's look and see who's flying the plane, you know, let's play a little attention here to what is it that your heart, your soul is trying to communicate and and manifest in as and through you. Just as an actor plays a character, you know, when we go to play a character on stage or even in a game, you know, um, uh, everybody can relate to playing, you know, video games, even if they can't relate to being on a stage. And a lot of times, you know, one of the one of the acting rules that I tell people is embrace the obstacles because that's where the fun is, you know. And and usually when, you know, people like embrace the obstacles, are you kidding? I want to get rid of all the obstacles. That's what makes life happy. But n- no, actually, if you think about it, nobody wants to go play a character in a game that has no challenges. Nobody wants to play a character in a play that has no challenges. That's boring, right? Too boring. We we grow. We have fun through bumping up against those emotional, you know, issues, the challenges. As we grow, that's what we feel as, that's how we feel success. That's how we feel empowered. That's how we feel, you know, but we don't know until we try. You know, we don't know until we push up against that. And it's the pushing our muscles against that obstacle is what makes us emotionally stronger, creatively stronger, right? And and brings our passion to the forefront. And most of us spend our lives blocking the obstacles, right? Trying to stay away from them, trying not to experience them. And that makes for a very mundane life, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another acting technique that I always share with people, um, or an acting truism, if you will, is you've got to find the love. Whenever an actor goes to play a character, instead of 
playing their concept of the character, you know, especially if it's a villain, right? You 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 see people playing that sort of one-dimensional thing. Finding the love is finding out what the character loves and then playing that. And that is the answer to your earlier question about how do you tap into that? How do you find that that creative genius, right? You tap into with each person, I go through quite a process when I start, you know, working with somebody to really pull out of them what their real end goal level desires are. What do they really, really want? If they're not worrying about the how, if they're not worrying about the obstacles of time, money, yada, 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 right? What do they really want to bring onto this planet? What do they want to experience? How do they want to learn and grow? How do they want to contribute to the world? And as you start to connect with those feelings, you start to go, oh, wait a minute. I really want to do X. And then the next key is to start doing it because in acting, feeling follows doing, right? It's all about action. It's about behaving as if it's true. So that's that age old, you know, acting as if spiritual teaching is an acting truism. How do you behave truthfully in the moment? You behave as if it is true. And that is what brings that successful performance onto the stage. Yeah. Wow. So you so you help people tap into their inner inner love, inner desire, what they want the most. And then you do you help them with that action? Do you say, this is the thing that you love? How do we get you there? Yes. Yeah, I do. I do. Because I think you know, the steps, a lot of times we just, we not only need that inspiration, right? And we need to attach to our creative imagination. We need to take personal responsibility and we need to take inspired action, Mm. you know? So if you get that inspiration, but you don't take action, That's how you end up in that moment when you're watching television and you're going, oh, I can't believe that guy invented that thing. I thought of that 10 years ago, right? That could have been me. (laughs) That could have been me, right? Yeah. But, But we don't, most of us, we don't take the inspired action even when we feel and know the inspiration. So the moment has to move us. And so I say with my with my clients, when people are, you know, bringing me on as their coach, I say, okay, we're going to have a considerable amount of compassionate accountability here, you know? Um, so I will always be compassionate, <laughs> but I will also hold you accountable to be responsible to your dream right? To be responsible. And I always hyphenate the word responsible, you know, because I will say to people, we have a hundred percent responsibility for our lives. And we do just like an actor has 100% responsibility for their performance. It's 100% on them. Doesn't matter what the director told them, what some other actor in that moment does, whether or not the light is bright enough, your performance is your job right? Mm. And so we as human beings performing on the great stage of life, we have 100% responsibility for our performance. And that means response hyphen ability, the ability to respond as we choose, 
We are choosing how we respond to every moment. And so if we get that inspiration and we choose to go sit on the couch and eat Cheetos and no no insult to Cheetos and watch somebody else on television live their dream, right? That's on us. That's on us. Mm. So there, there's a, obviously a downside to not taking that action once you figure out what is your purpose. Yeah. What's the downside of not even getting to the point of figuring out what your purpose is? Um, I think that brings, I mean, to me, that sounds really, really sad, you know, <laughs> that, that, this is a sad that, life. <laughs> that's, that's well, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a sad state of mind. You know, we talk about mindset a lot in sort of new thought and, and, and spiritual conversations. We talk about, and even business conversations, we talk about people's mindset, right? Mm. And, and if your mindset is, um, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not, you know, or if your mindset is, my whole life is just about get up, go to the job, do the thing, come home, eat a pizza, go to bed, you know, if you get in that train, then you have never asked yourself, where's the love? You have never taken the moment to treat yourself with the respect and the honor to say, I'm here for a reason. You know, uh, I'm trying to think of where the, the term originally came from, but I know Mary Morrissey refers to, to that longing as divine discontent, right? That if you have that discontent, if you're feeling like this isn't enough, there's got to be something more, there's got to be more, that's because there is. That is the divine in you longing for, stretching for something more. That's the actor that wants to play the great role but is afraid to, right? And so you can either go to the audition and go to classes and get better and keep on trying and audition again and audition again and audition again until you find your moment or you can decide to quit acting or you can decide to just stand in the sidelines and watch somebody else or you can decide to just play a runner up you know like the background like an extra in somebody else's story but none of us none of us were born to just fill up the background of the stage in other people's lives we were all born to play the lead in our own life and so if you're not then you just haven't asked yourself the right questions. And I always say that I'm 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 helping people to be conscious creators because the truth about creating is we are all creating 24/7. Mm. Everything we do is creating our reality, it's creating our life. Everything we think, do and say, that is what is creating our life. So if we're not taking responsibility for what we're thinking, doing and saying, we're not consciously creating our life. Okay. We're very creative. So conscious creating is, is not just going along with the status quo. It's actually making purposeful decisions about each creative act. Absolutely. Right. Taking that inspired action. Yes. So it seems like there's kind of three parts to it here. There's one is awareness because I think there's, there will be people who go along in life 
who don't even take the time to even be aware that they may not be that happy with their trajectory. And mm-hmm. so there's awareness. Then there's there's the self-reflection of what is that love? And then there's the action taking. Mm-hmm. I guess people have to at least hit their awareness thing before they come to you, right? <laughs> well, actually, no, they usually don't. I usually wake them up to the awareness because they come to me when they're frustrated or they're, well, not all of them, but some of them just come when they're frustrated, when they don't know what they don't know, you know? They don't know why it doesn't feel like enough or they just want to come and play or they just want to see, you know, what it might be sometimes. And and the thing is that I call them presets. What we what we get, you know, um, our presets are our judgment, our expectations, our limiting beliefs, our preconceived notions, those things that become our personal myths about what we can and can't do. Those are our presets. And when we rely on our presets as the roadmap for our life, instead of our our inspiration, our imagination as the roadmap for our life. When we stick in the presets, that's when we can feel it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like enough. And if you feel that there is something, which I would say to a person, we all do it. Even if we think we're very active and creative and doing things, there's always another one, right? There's always another inspiration. And even if we're that person that is just on the couch eating Cheetos, commenting on what the person on TV is or isn't doing, either the politician or the actor in the movie or whoever they are, right? That they are they are watching them and judging that rather than looking here. That's usually because of fear. And fear comes from our presets. So when we are afraid of whatever that pain point is, whatever that failure might be, whatever our presets from our childhood or whatever told us, ugh, you don't want to, you don't want to do that because this can look, you know, the crash and burn can look like that. We have to get to the point where it's just like improv. You know, when something falls in improv, you make another offer. When it crashes and burns, you make another offer. It won't crash and burn if everybody is there for everybody else in an improv and in acting. One of the other truisms is it's all about making the other guy look good. So when your focus is too much on yourself as an actor on the stage and you're worried about where's my foot? What do they think of me? Do I sound right? Did Is that what the director wanted me to do? Oh, is that person in the front row blowing their nose? I must be boring. You know, whatever it is that your brain is going to, when your mind is on yourself, you're not totally present playing the character full out. So the way to get fully present in that moment is to put your attention on the other players, on the other people in this scene with you and make their experience as positive as possible, feed them with offers and your experience will raise. Oh, okay. You're sort of bouncing off them and Mm -hmm. both of you can progress. You're offering to them. And even if they're blocking you, even if they're not accepting what you're throwing down, 
you keep finding the offer that works and you keep accepting what they're doing as offers, you know? And I'll tell you one more spiritual truism in this metaphorical metaphysical guide, right? In acting as in life, it's all about relationship. And I've already talked about the relationship of our self to our higher self, right? The player to the character. And in acting, it's all about, as in life, it's all about these different relationships. You can have a relationship to your environment. You can have a relationship to another person, to yourself, to animals, to inanimate objects, etc. But there's a relationship that we tend to blame or put the responsibility for how things are going on a lot. And that is our relationship with the universe. That thing to remember is that the universe never blocks. So is this like when people go, oh, I'm so unlucky. This always happens to me. Things why like is that. this happening that? to me? Why is that? Why, why does this go like this? Or, or it must not be meant to be. Mm. What? Right? I always say, what do you mean to be? Not what is meant to be, because nobody's meaning this except you. So how are you meaning to respond to this moment? How are you meaning to respond to this offer? The universe is completely the best producer any theater company ever had. We like to think in it, when people come to the metaphor of this being, you know, the great stage of life. A lot of times they'll think that God or the universe must be the playwright, but that takes them out of responsibility for the story. No, 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 no. You're not only the actor, you're not only the character, but you are also the playwright. You are writing the story as you go along. You are creating your life by the choices that you make and how you write the story. And then people will think, oh, okay, well, then the universe is the director. No, 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 no. Because the director is that person that holds the vision, that brings everything together, coalesces it, and gets it on a train. Now, some people abdicate their role as director for holding that vision for their own life, but the, but you are the director, whether you realize it or not. What you are not is the producer. The producer in any production is that being that brings all the resources and provides all the resources to make that production possible. So if you think of it that way, the universe is providing what ever resources you could possibly need it's a play with an unlimited budget <laughs> yeah so the whole world is super excited <laughs> to be in that play you know there isn't a, a director any theater company that wouldn't give their collective right arms you know to be furnished by that kind of producer mm. and we are we have no excuses <laughs> In that universe, in that picture of the universe, we have to accept that offer rather than looking at the, you know, the broken bone or the, or the, um, or the change in relationship or the thing that happens today or tomorrow or whatever, rather than looking at that as, oh, that's a block, right? That's the universe blocking me saying no, the universe never, ever, ever says no. It's offering you an opportunity to do something that your higher self, that player, as this character, is saying, on some level, you really need this, right? 
when those obstacles are there, there's something that you invited and the universe provided it. And so it may seem tough, it may seem hard, but that's that opportunity for creativity. You were talking about in the introduction, you know, how do people find creative solutions? You take the obstacle as an offer and you accept it and offer back. And you continue offering. Don't quit offering. Mm. Don't quit offering, which doesn't mean stay in every circumstance until the end of time and just keep throwing things into it. It doesn't mean that. But an offer is an offer into your life. So that might be that the solution in this moment is to recognize that this problem that I'm beating my head up against is not my problem. And so since it is not mine, then again, we're going to find the love. What's the most loving thing I could do right now? I can move away from this. I can move into, I can make the offer into my own life that I'm going to change direction here. Or I'm having inspiration or I'm having frustration, which is that divine discontent, which is another form of inspiration, right? It's you showing you where your offers might be. Mm, that's ve- that's very empowering, I feel. You're saying that. I'm like, gosh, I feel like if I could reframe every block as an actual offer, as an opportunity to kind of pivot, redirect, move around, change my thinking, that's such an empowering, that's such an empowering thing. it really really is but I I can I can imagine that it takes a lot of effort to and training and building that muscle to be able to in that moment where you are thrown a block something bad happens to to get yourself out of that and go actually no this is an opportunity like that that's a lot of work done this sounds it sounds like well you know, it's no more work than those people that worked walked into that imagination and spontaneity class and stopped worrying about the grade. It's the same thing. When you step into your place and center stage and realize that this is your production, this is your game that you're playing here, and you're going to make the choice to play, to offer. That's all. It's not saying that you're not going to make a mistake. It's not saying that you're not going to have a bad day. Of course you are. People have bad improvs go, oops, you know, all the time. But it is never the end of the world. You know, It, it, it changes your perspective on quote unquote failure. You know, lots of people don't create actively, intentionally, and consciously in their lives because they are afraid of failure. But in the words of, you know, Board and Edison and all those folks, there is no failure, only feedback. There's only feedback as to a different way to try. So if it's a game, right? And you say, as this moment comes to you, what's the gift in this? It looks like a big problem, but what's the gift in this? It's no different than playing a strategy game, right? It's no different than playing a character in 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 a role-playing game. We are here to live this life fully and completely. And part of that is honoring this character by noticing 
what this character feels and loves and wants and needs, and then going and taking action toward it. Mm. Oh, I think that's great. I think that if we could help more people get into that space, which obviously you're doing through your coaching, it would be a, and it would be an amazing thing because it it would help people be more empowered, more engaged, and more conscious with the choices they're making in life. Which is why I wrote the book and why I'm just really on a on a mission to change the way we think about thinking and the way we think about our our behavior here, our purpose here, um, what we're doing here. Mm. You know. And- so your book, um, does your book provide some of those practical tips that people can take and apply in their own life to get into this space? It does. It goes into immense detail throughout the metaphor, gives you all of, helps you really understand not only fundamentals like offering, accepting, and blocking, but all of the kind of metaphorical truisms from the stage that really start to change the perspective. And I take people through forgiveness and through taking responsibility and through all of the different gratitude, um, just all of the different kinds of things that we normally look at as kind of a spiritual pursuit. But but they are these are very practical, playful, simple ways to just reframe our thinking and become real conscious creators. There's also leadership tips in there, too, because you can't be a director without holding a vision and bringing other people along to that vision and also recognizing your responsibility to your fellow players. So it's got it's got it's it's a wonderful, festive a way to start to be a conscious creator. Love it. And uh, I can't wait to read it. I'll, I'll pop the link to the book and to your website and everything like that in our show notes for this episode. But th- thank you so much, Sandra, for taking me through that. That was um, such an interesting metaphor and I can see how it is <laughs> so linked between life and art and play. It's It's amazing. And, and it is loads of fun. And that's what it's supposed to be. That's what life is supposed to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes the fun is in overcoming those great big challenges, you know? Success looks a lot of different ways. And so, you know, I would just encourage your listeners to recognize that wherever they are, wherever they are in their journey, if they take a deep breath, and really look inside, they can see something, they can feel something that's calling to them, no matter where they are in the journey. And when they feel that calling, write it down, look at it, play with it, let your imagination visualize it, and then start taking a an inspired action step in that direction. Mm, beautiful. I love finishing on a practical tip. <laughs> so, um, yeah, thank you so much, Sandra. And thank you to everyone who's tuned in to Creativity Uncovered today. I really hope that this episode has inspired you to step onto your own stage so you can be the main player. Um, and I also hope that it um, helps you summon your creativity the next time that you need it.
If you've made it this far, a huge thank you for your support and tuning into today's episode. Creativity Uncovered has been lovingly recorded on the land of the Cubby Cubby people, and we pay our respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This podcast has been produced by my amazing team here at Crisp Communications, and the music you just heard was composed by James Gatling. If you liked this episode, please do share it around and help us on our mission to unlock more creativity in this world. You can also hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episode releases.